Acts chapter 11, if you would. Acts 11, we'll stand in honor of God's Word. Where He leads me, I will follow. That is good. It's really all we need to do. It's really all we can do, is where He leads me, I will follow. Do you believe God's leading in your life? I believe there's evidence that He is. And I believe there's evidence also that you're trying to follow. That's a real blessing. And uh, I believe God can do something in and through uh, the life of a church that is committed to trying, and with His help, following uh, His will. And so we're reading about that here also in Acts chapter 11. So Acts 11 and verse number 19. Acts 11 and verse 19. I'm really falling in love with the book of Acts, i got to tell you. You know, I've loved it before. But once you get into it and you study it a little bit more and you see what God was doing, it's exciting. It really is. I want to live that kind of life. Yeah. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phinis, which would be Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them uh, were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand, I like this, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. You know, we can't do anything without the hand of God. Neither could they. And, but when the hand of God was involved, people came to Christ. As a result of that, well, it says in verse number 22, "...then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he, in reference to Barnabas, he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and faith and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. So evidently God was doing something in Antioch. Verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus uh, for to seek Saul. For, and when he found him... He brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. And in these days there came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and, they, and there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit, so again it emphasizes God's leadership, by the Spirit, that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, in reference to those that were there, then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So here's a Gentile church, Helping a Jewish church. That's a big deal. It's my prayer that Southwest Baptist Church would be this. A helpful church. A helpful church. And uh, that's what we're going to consider here tonight. May God bless the reading of His Word. As you're seated, we'll get into the message. It ought to be our desire to be helpful. 
just to be helpful, to give aid, to give assistance, service, just to be helpful. Sometimes around the house, um, I'll grab tools, not sure exactly what to do with them, but I'll grab them and go to work on this or that, or at least make Angie think I was working. Anyways, uh, go to work on something and uh, one of the smaller boys will grab their tools. You know, the ones that take batteries, double A size, even turning parts, you know, and they'll help. Well, they have a desire to help. You know what I want to do? I want to just encourage that, allow that, allow that to take place. I'm sure thankful to God for messages that I've heard along the way in my Christian life that have been helpful. Just heard uh, two at a preacher's meeting this past Tuesday, went up to Sepulpa and Brother Brian Schechsteiner just preached a great message on how that in the ministry sometimes we can get overwhelmed and we can get discouraged, but God gave Paul a Titus and Titus had that Titus touch he calls it. I'm telling you, it was helpful. It was very helpful. And, um, and then Brother Billy Ingram preached a message on the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And so they, these were helpful messages. And, and by the way, the messages we heard Wednesday night and the rest of the week during the youth conference, helpful, very helpful. Uh, Brother Waterloo preached on Friday about how that Jesus had a purpose in his life at an early age. Obviously, he was living life on a mission. And, and I believe if young people tuned into that, that, that at an early age of 11 or 12, if they would begin to live with a purpose, that would help their lives. Amen. It really would, to see that God has a purpose for them. I had individuals come to me and, and say, what a help. Uh, Brother Vara is here tonight. Uh, some young men gathered around me as, as the day was concluding. Brother Vara spoke to the senior high group, and a group of young men came around and said, hey, where's Brother Vara? You know, and bro- of course, Brother Vara was in jail and, and uh, <laughs> in his prison and jail ministry, I should hasten to say for our guests. But... But in any case, uh, they said, boy, that was good. That was helpful. See, that was helpful. Well, that's great. That's what we desire. That's what we want to be is, is just to ask God to lead us and guide us and thus to see people come into place that are helpful. Two young people were baptized this morning, two uh, children, twins, a, a boy and a girl that Miss Malvini and others had a part in their life at, at the Christian School, Southwest Christian Academy, and, and caring for them and brought them to church. Had been bringing, I'm telling you, that's helped their lives. And uh, we've got acquainted with mom and dad uh, uh, of these young people. And, and now the uh, Beavers are going to be moving, moving up to Tulsa to be with their family up in that area. And, and so now there's going to need to be somebody else that would bring those kids. You know, I mean, there's, there's just a constant need around this church for help. For help. There's a constant need for help. Acts of kindness. I watched it this week as our young people, as they, they set themselves to serve, even in the youth conference, they, were, they had their hands involved in transporting food back and forth from the, from the caf, cafeteria there at uh, Heartland as we set up about, I don't know, seven or eight serving lines and uh, fed about a thousand people in a matter of, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes, uh, pretty quick at least. But I'll tell you why that happened. It's because there's a lot of hands involved. A lot of hands involved. It takes a lot of help. And as we uh, think about the host in the GIBF meeting, I, I prayed with Brother Bill Smith just a moment ago, and we, my part was to pray over uh, those that were helping in the various areas of food preparation and decorations and the nursery and greeting and the parking lot and, uh, and so many other areas, about, I think about 20 areas where there's going to be leaders, and all those leaders are going to need help to host uh, however many preachers that God brings this way uh, and those preachers who come. 
They, they need help in the ministry. I, I can't tell you what's going to some of these meetings, uh, some of these uh, GIBF meetings in particular, what it's done for my soul. I've come back just energized and encouraged and helped. I, as a preacher, I need preaching. You say, boy, we know that. Yeah, you're exactly right. Preachers need preaching. Hey, listen, all of us, we need help. We need help. Moms and dads trying to raise children in this society need help. And uh, teachers and bus workers, and, and I, I believe we have need right now for some Sunday school teachers. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just simply saying that a, a growing church is always going to be in transition, someone has said. A growing church is always going to be in need of some people that will come and say, yes, I'll do that. I'll be a help. I'll, I'll get a CDL. I'll, I'll drive a bus, and, and I'll do it safely. <laughs> um, uh, yes, that would help. And, and, but we need people that would help in so many areas. Well, you know what I believe we're reading about in Acts 11? We're reading about a church that, a church that was just planted and yet that wanted to help. They wanted to help. I, I'm telling you, I, I have just grown uh, in my appreciation of chapter 9, 10, and 11 of Acts. I've read it so many times and just can kind of glaze over it. But here's what it's emphasizing all along the way. I had never caught this before, but it's just highlighting, emphasizing God's leadership. And when a man named Peter followed God's leadership, Cornelius was saved and a door was opened to the Gentiles. Just because somebody followed God's leadership. You know, you can face criticism. You can face, just as Peter did when they heard that, uh, that he ate with the Gentiles. They criticized him. Remember last week we said that for every action there's an equal and opposite criticism? Yep, it's true. But you can face criticism when you know that you're following God's leadership. Now, if you're not following God's leadership and somebody is critical, then you, might, you should listen so that you can learn how to follow God's leadership. But if you know what you're doing is God's will, then you just go ahead and do it, and you may face some criticism for it. But again, if you know that it's God's criticism, I'm sorry, if you know that rather it is people being critical of you when you're doing God's will, you really don't have anything to worry about because they're not really criticizing you as much as they are criticizing God and His work. So Peter was very calm, and he said, Brothers, let me just tell you what happened. Let me just tell you what God did. And he emphasized along the way how God blessed and God led and what, what God did. And God did some amazing things. And so those, those believers there in Jerusalem, they went from a place of criticism to a place of great celebration because they saw the hand of God in it. They saw the hand of God in it. At this point in the, in the account of Acts, the attention shifts once again away from Peter and back to Barnabas. But ultimately, that's just really setting things up for the focus being on on Paul and his work. Not so much, again, I, I think that maybe, you know, we have the title Acts of the Apostles. That's not really an accurate title as much as it would be if it was this, Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles and through the churches. Because yeah. it really is the work of the Spirit of God. By the way, we don't need to be afraid of the Spirit. And uh, we don't need to allow other religious groups that, that give false information about the Spirit to rob us of what the Bible says about spirit involvement in our lives. Yep. Don't slight the spirit. Billy Ingram preached to us as preachers. Don't slight the spirit. Don't quench the spirit. Don't grieve the spirit. The spirit of God is at work. God the Father sent the Son. The Son came and the Son said the Spirit's going to come. And I'm telling you, the Spirit is here. 
And he's using the word of God to bring conviction of sin and to bring people to Christ. And by the way, the spirit of God is not a power. He's not a force. The spirit of God is the person of the Trinity. He is God, very God. Yep. It's not an it. It's a he. He's a he. Right. (laughs) I said that wrong, didn't I? He's a he. Not it's a he. Right. Some of you caught that. It's good. You're paying attention. Just check it. Well, we come here and we see that at the same time all this was taking place with Peter and, and uh, in his life and in Cornelius' life, God was working in, a, in another location there in, in Phoenicia and, and in Cyprus and in Cyrene. Men from North Africa were coming up to Antioch. And, and so we have a lot of movement going on all at the same time. Aren't you glad God can do a lot of things all at the same time? He's not limited to one geographic location. I've got to be honest, sometimes I get pretty focused about what's going on right here. And I think, man, this is the biggest thing going in the world. (laughs) I'm excited about what's going on, sure. But I'm also equally excited when I hear about what God is doing on the East Coast or on the West Coast. Yes, God even works on the West Coast. And we heard from Brother Hetzer and people are being saved out there and great things are taking place. And and I get excited about what's going on down in Brazil and other places. Hey, listen, God is everywhere at work leading the way. Well, these believers were continuing to follow God's will. And because of the persecution, they they were scattered abroad. And as they went, they took the message of the Lord Jesus Christ with them. The key location that we want to zero in on tonight is the place called Antioch. Antioch is really become, is going to become the hub of the gospel. I mean, God's work is going to continue in Jerusalem. He's going to work in Ephesus. He's going to work in a lot of places. But Antioch, the church there, becomes a sending church for Paul. And thus it's going to come into great focus. Well, Antioch was uh, north of Jerusalem in north Syria. Listen to this. I I didn't realize this until studying it out a little bit, but Antioch is the third largest city in the Roman Empire at that time. Number one, of course, was Rome. Number two, Alexandria. And number three was Antioch. It had 500 to 600,000 people. That's a large city. For that day and time, a very large city. Some say up to 600,000 people. There were in the city kind of a melting pot of people. Greeks, Syrians, Phoenicians, Jews, Arabs, Persians, Egyptians, and Indians made up the population, one man wrote. It was a place of great immorality. Maybe not the status of a uh, Corinth, but nonetheless a place of immorality. A place where many faiths were, quote-unquote, faiths were blended together. A major temple was just about five miles from the city that was in honor to Artemis uh, and Paulo and uh, Astarte and and other major uh, pagan deities. And so there was a real blend of faiths and blend of people and a great political center and commercial hub. I'm telling you, it was a buzzing city, 600,000 people filling Antioch. That's an exciting place for the gospel. All you need for the gospel is people. (laughs) All you need for a little bit of excitement in in a city is just a few people and the word of God. And I'm telling you, God began to do a great work in this place. One man said this, Antioch was to the Roman world what New York City is to our world. Here, where all the gods of antiquity were worshipped, Christ must be exalted. And so, 
notice again verse number 20. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene. So Cyprus was the island just south of Asia Minor. Cyrene, of course, northern Africa, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians. This would be either Jews who were, were influenced by the Greek culture, as we've seen already, or some say it may very well just simply be Gentiles, just complete Gentiles. And no doubt that as many were added to the Lord, certainly Gentiles were saved. Preaching the Lord Jesus. Notice what it said in verse 20 again. Did you catch that? And some. It doesn't even name their names. But you don't have to have your name named to be used of God. We might refer to these as someone else did as well as, as unnamed or unknown pioneers. They were bringing the gospel into this region, but they weren't concerned about who was getting the glory or the credit for it. You know, it's amazing, someone has said, it'd be amazing what God could do if nobody was concerned about who got the glory for it. If everybody was just content with letting God get the glory for it. And so here was this unnamed group of individuals who came into Antioch, and as they came, they began to share the gospel. And verse number 21 says that the hand of God was upon their ministry, and people were saved, and people were added. A great number turned to Christ as a result of that. Hey, listen, that's not insignificant. That's very meaningful. That's very huge. Why? Because God is doing something in Antioch here that's going to have far-reaching results. In fact, I submit to you once again, we've said this once before, but we're here tonight because some unknown preachers went to Antioch and began preaching the gospel and, they, and people were saved. And listen, wherever people are saved, they need to be assembled together in a church. Jerusalem was way too far away and other places were way too far away. So they had to, there had to be a church right there. Well, that church there began to grow and, and really took on shape and form and size and, and energy and strength. And the Holy Spirit was involved in their lives and they, they were serving God. And, and the Holy Ghost, eventually, we're going to see in chapter 13, said this, Separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I've called them. And part of Paul and Barnabas began their missionary journeys as we know them. And as a result, the gospel came west. And you and I heard the gospel because some unknown preachers from Cyrene and Cyprus left where they were, listen, and followed God's leadership to go to Antioch and preach the gospel. Now, we give a lot of focus and a lot of attention to Paul and Barnabas, and rightly so, because God greatly used their lives. But there's still some unknown preachers to this day that we're benefiting from the ministry that God did in their life, simply because some unknown preachers followed God's will. Boy, that's good. That's a blessing. I hadn't noticed that verse either. You're saying, Brother Jason, there's a lot you haven't noticed, right? You just need to study the Word of God and see what God shows you. It's exciting. So God uh, was leading them and they followed and they preached the gospel. Well, good news came back to Jerusalem. See, churches start churches. And these were unique situations. This was a unique situation in the persecution that spread them abroad. And as they went, they began to preach. And as they went and they preached, churches were established. But they were all, listen, they all were coming out of the church of Jerusalem. As they got started, then as that church would get started. And then they would send out some from that church. And they would preach the gospel. And then it was that church starting a church. So good news came to Jerusalem, they, and they sent Barnabas. And, the, and here's what I see about the church in verse 22, the church there in Jerusalem. They were eager to be a part of this new church plant in Antioch. They were thrilled about what God was doing. Well, if there's anything in the world 
that a church ought to get excited about. It's the planting of another church. Okay? What is it that grandparents get real excited about? Grandkids! That's exactly right. Sure, have you talked to a grandparent lately? I'm sure you've heard something about some grandkids. Why? Because it's what they—it's what they're excited about. Does that mean they're not excited about their kids? No, they are excited about their kids. But but think about even the grandkids, especially. Well, well, here's a church planting a church. There's a a a we could maybe say it this way mother daughter situation. But then as that church is going to go out and plant other churches, there's even more excitement that's eventually going to come. But this is exciting that now a church is being planted because somebody preached the gospel. Can I just put it on pause here to, to say this about that aspect of it? It's not that they went out and said, we're going to start a church here. They went out saying this, we're going to go here and we're going to preach the gospel. And as we preach the gospel and people are saved, they've got to be assembled. Do you understand how that is? And so it may be they would have preached the gospel, and they did, by the way, Paul and Barnabas did. They went and preached the gospel in certain locations where there was no one saved, evidently, in the ministry. I think about Athens and other places. Now, other people would come in behind them, and churches would be established. But churches are established because somebody receives the gospel. There's the order. And so here Barnabas is coming, and he wants to be a help. In fact, his name means this, son of consolation. Son of encouragement, one who is characterized. I, I believe Barnabas was just the type of person you'd like to be around, was an encourager. He actually was from Cyprus, so it just made sense that he would come there where other people from Cyprus were, were located there in Antioch and not far, by the way, from Cyprus. And so he came and was glad to see the evidence of the grace of God upon their life. He encouraged them. You know how he encouraged them? He rejoiced with them. The Bible says he was glad when he heard the report and rejoiced with them. You know what? It may just be that all you have to do to encourage a new believer is just listen to their story and rejoice with them. He also did this. If you notice once again in the text, he came and saw the grace of God. Look at verse 23. He exhorted them all. He, he challenged them. He exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, that they would have resolve, purpose of heart, and that they would cleave unto the Lord. The word cleave there means this, that they'd keep on following the Lord. Barnabas came in and said, listen, just keep on following God. It's wonderful that you've received him. Now, I just want to encourage you, continue loving him. Continue serving him. Continue in his ways. The Bible says that Barnabas, if you notice there in verse number 24, he was a good man. A good man, an ethical man, a godly man. And the Bible also tells us he was full of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God was at work in his life. By the way, being full of the Holy Ghost is not just for preachers. Being full of the Holy Ghost is a command that Paul gave, if you remember in Ephesians 5 and verse number 18, it's a command that he gave to all the church. So a man is not supposed to just be filled with the Spirit of God when he's preaching. He needs to be filled with the Spirit of God when he's driving. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Well, for sure he needs to be filled with the Spirit of God while driving, right? But a mom needs to be filled with the Spirit of God as she's getting kids ready for church. And, and you need to be filled with the Spirit of God as you go back to work tomorrow. Listen, this is not just for preachers. This is for you. To be filled. It's a command. It's a continual. It's a present tense. It, the idea is that we have constant need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And so this man, uh, Barnabas, the Bible says he was full of the Holy Ghost. And of faith. He was full of faith. He had reason to believe that God was at work. He saw evidence of that. And he had great faith, no doubt, in the Word of God as well. 
The Bible says this, and much people was added to the Lord. Well, here's what I see about Barnabas in verse number 25. He was trying to help them, but then as so many people were added unto the Lord, what does he need? Help. He needs help. To disciple these believers, there's so many that evidently that were being saved, he needed help. Where did he go? He said, there's one man I know that will be a big help to some Gentiles. There's one man that God, I believe, uh, had been preparing for 10 years by this time. It had been about 10 years since Saul was saved. He's back in his hometown of Tarshish. The Bible says that, that Barnabas went, if you look again in verse 25, he departed and went to Tarshish for to what? Seek for Saul. He had to look him up. He had to try to find him. But, but when he found him, he enlisted him for ministry, and he, he brought him back in verse number 26. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled together with themselves with the church and taught much people. You know, here's, here's what I see about this man Barnabas. He wasn't in it for the glory. He said, it's not that I'm trying to get a big following of people to follow me as Barnabas. He said, you know, this work is way bigger than what I am. I need some help, and I believe God has his hand. Listen now. I believe God has his hand. I believe God is leading the life of a man named Saul, and God may be ready for him to join us. So he went all the way up to enlist him. He went up to Tarshish and said, Saul, listen, we need some help down on Antioch. And I'm telling you, God was putting all this together. Again, God was the one that was leading He came and got help. D.L. Moody had this approach to ministry that, that when a new convert, when a person was saved, it was their goal to immediately get them plugged into some kind of ministry. That might have been collecting songbooks. It might have been handing out uh, pamphlets or it might have been handing out, you know, bulletins as we would call them. It was just simply this, to do something. Because when a person gets saved, they need to be involved helping. Barnabas said, listen, we, I'm going to need some help here. He got Saul to come and help. And they taught those disciples. They equipped them. They, they exhorted them to serve and honor God with their lives. And no doubt Saul rejoiced in their salvation. Well, the story goes on that, that preachers, I'm sorry, uh, the latter part of verse number 26, it says, as they assembled and they taught the people, the disciples, look at it, were called what? Christians. It's the first time they were called Christians. Christ, or Christos is the Greek word. The, the suffix I-A-N is Latin, and so it goes together there. And that suffix means belonging to uh, the part of, or belonging to whoever is preceding that. So those who belong to Christ. How did they get that name? It may have been derogatory. It may have been that they were saying, these are the Christ people. These are the ones that belong to Christ. But you know, that's a good thing to be called. That's a good word uh, to be, or a good label. Here's why. Because evidently, they were so emphasizing Jesus Christ. It's like that's the only one that they were talking about. People started calling them the Christians. The Christ people. Those that were following Christ. Well, in verse 27 through 30, they receive help from preachers that come from Jerusalem. They come up to Antioch, and as they're there, a man named Agabus, led by the Spirit of God, gives them insight to what is about to happen and prophesies that a great famine would fall in that region, and it did. In fact, uh, Josephus mentions how many died in this famine from A.D. 45 to A.D. 48. It was a terrible famine that took place, and it did greatly affect Jerusalem. 
So the man Agabus came and prophesied that this would happen. Listen, when these Gentiles heard how that their Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ were going to be suffering, they said this, we want to do something to help. Here we are, we've received such great help from them by way of the scriptures, by way of the message of Christ, by way of the preacher Peter who came to our life, and and by way of others who have come to us. We've received such great help, we want to be a help in return. And that's what they did. And so they took up an offering and, and, and offerings to receive and to be able to send back with them. And so they sent Barnabas and Saul to care and to show their care. Listen, they were not just showing care in word only, but they were showing care in deed. They came to the help of those that needed relief. They proved the sincerity of their love by showing help. Okay, now I want you to get this. Notice the results of this this chapter that we've seen. Number one, people were saved. Number two, a church was started. Number three, believers were encouraged. Number four, believers were equipped and trained and ready to serve. Number five, Christ's name was given greater broadcast because they were called Christians. Number, uh, number six, a church was helped in a difficult time. So here's what we see. People were genuinely and eternally helped. Why? Because believers all along the way followed God's leadership. Unnamed pioneers of the gospel followed God's leadership. And a little church began to grow. People began to be saved in a place called Antioch. Somebody on, from the outside might look on and say, ah, oh, not a big deal. Won't much come out of that. You know Antioch. It's a rough city. It's the New York City of this day. Some might say, there's not much that's going to come out of Antioch. Oh, yes, there was. Something greatly significant. Churches need good men like Barnabas, people who will be encouragers. We need people like Paul who will spend their time teaching and exhorting and helping. Churches like the church in Antioch are needed today because, church. listen now, churches need to come to the aid and the help of other Bible-preaching churches. Believers need to come to the help of other believers. You know what we're in danger of doing? We're in danger of focusing our ministry just right here. We're living in a day and time of larger buildings and larger budgets and many times the needs over in Sudan and in India and other places go neglected while churches build mega buildings here. I'm all for striving for excellence, but if striving for excellence and and doing things well and having nice things, I don't believe God's opposed to that, but, but maybe di- there is some disproportionate uh, thinking here when we spend multi-million dollars, I'm talking about in America at large, in a building, and send just token attention to the mission field. I pray that God helps us to be a church that helps I'm thankful for how much of the the budget here, even 15% of the general fund goes into missions. That's wonderful. 
goes into the bus ministry, goes overseas, goes into helping specialized ministries, goes into helping Bible colleges, goes into helping individuals that are preaching the gospel everywhere. Hey, listen, it's good for us. Is there more that we could do here? Do we have need in our facilities and such? Look around. Yay. Yes, we do. But at the same time, we have great, great, great responsibility to, to allow God to use us as a funnel by which funds could get to missionaries that are in need all over this globe to be a help to others. So what do we need? To, what do we do? How do we help people that are that are in different parts of the world? How do we help people that are there in the in the, even the Oklahoma County Jail? How do we help people that are here on Santa Fe and South? And how do we help the people that are there on on Southwestern that were affected by the storms? How do we help people that are here right around our church? How do you help people at school? How do you help people at work? I'll tell you how you serve as a real and legitimate help to people. You do one basic thing in life. You follow God's will. You follow God's leadership, and as you follow God's leadership, you suddenly become a help to somebody else. You show me a husband who's trying to follow God's leadership, and I'll show you a husband who's being a help to his wife and a help to his kids. You show me a wife who's trying to follow God's leadership in her life, and the same thing will be true there. She will be a help that is meet for a husband and a help to the children, and on and on we could go. You show me a friend that's trying to follow God's leadership. That'll be a real help. Show me a child who's just trying to follow God's will for their life. I'm telling you, from a child that can grow up being a help. Show me a teenager who's trying to follow God's will for their life. Listen, they're not wasting their life following God's will. Actually, they're making the most of their life by following God's will. And God can greatly use them to be a help. How about a senior adult who, who maybe is in the retirement phase of life, but you're trying to follow God's will. You may not see it every day. You may not see it clearly all at one time, but there are ways that God is using you to be a help to this church in major ways. You're a help. It's a blessing. Those who follow God's will serve as a help to others. So here's the question tonight. Are you following God's will. Are you individually following God's will? You don't have to be well known to be greatly used of God. God used some unknown pioneers to start an incredible church. You don't have to have the personality of a Paul to be greatly used of God. You could be a Barnabas and just be one that could exhort and encourage and write encouraging notes and write and call and show up at somebody's door and just take somebody out to eat or be an encouragement one way or the other. I'm telling you, there's all kinds of ways to be an encourager. If you're following God's will, you'll be an encouragement. You may be uh, a helper in the making, like a Saul who was 10 years preparing Saul But evidently that time that was spent preparing him was with great reward and great benefit. You may look around and say, well, this this is coming. This is on our land right now. What can we do as a church? All you got to do is just follow God's will. You know, I'll be honest with you as the... um, just the news reports and phone calls were coming in here to the church... 
this family lost uh, the property in the storm and this family and this one was affected and all these things and we spent till about maybe uh, 10 or 11 o'clock here that night I, I can't remember maybe later just anyways we were here for a good while I drove out of the parking lot here going north and, and turning left to go on 54th street and the thought in my mind was this what can we do to help ever feel helpless like this is so large I don't even know where to start came into the staff meeting that next day and said men you know I don't have a template here they didn't teach me this in Bible college we didn't have a class on tornadoes that's for sure didn't have a template to follow but here's, here's what I learned and I'm still learning it I don't have to have it all figured out I just need to know what God wants us to do today and do that with the help of his Holy Spirit. And then tomorrow, here's the, you ready for the plan for tomorrow? Same thing. What's your 10-year goal? Same thing. I'm not against planning. I think we need to plan to look ahead. But really, it's not us leading this anyways. The Holy Spirit of God is the one that leads the church. And we just need to be sensitive to his leadership. I found a plan, a strategy, that will work to bring people to Christ and open up new doors of ministry. You ready? Two words. Follow God. I believe it will work in church ministry. I believe it will work in parenting. What am I going to do with this child? (laughs) For some of you, a name just came in your mind. What am I going to do with this child? Two words. Follow God and you'll be a help. Follow God were the two words. What, what am I supposed to do in marriage? Some premarital counseling or marriage counseling. You ready? Follow God. You say, it sounds like such a trite and trivial and quick answer. Can you find a better one? These men, listen, they they weren't men of super personalities. They weren't dynamic in preaching. I mean, some of them obviously were like an Apollos and such, but Paul said, you know, I came to you in weakness of presentation. It wasn't that they were dynamic, but here's what they learned. All we have to do to honor God and be a real help to people is just simply do this. We just need to follow what God tells us to do. God told us to leave Cyprus and Cyrene and go up here to a place of Antioch. I don't know what's going to happen there, but let's go. Barnabas, we believe you're the one that God wants to go up from Jerusalem up here. Be glad to do it. I'm overwhelmed. I need some help. Hey, Saul, why don't you come and help? I believe God's in this. He followed down to Antioch. You know what they did? For a whole year, they just ministered and served the Lord. And as they ministered and served the Lord, the Lord said, did you hear it? The Spirit of God said, um, Barnabas and Saul, it's time to go. That little church in Antioch had no idea what God was about to do. It was about to go global. It'd be wonderful. We can't make something happen. But I don't know what God's about to do in this church in in the September meeting, but I believe he wants to go global with it. Here's what I know that we better do. Two words.
follow God. And as we follow God, that'll be a help to people. Yeah. Some preacher will walk out those doors and say, man, it was good to be there. Not because of us, but because God worked through us. Father, we need that. Every family in here needs your leadership. Every individual. We sure need you to guide us. I think of how you led Peter just step by step. I think, dear God, of how you led even as he took those what we might call smaller steps. You prepared him for the big step of going to Cornelius' house. The same was true in Barnabas' life and in Saul's life. You were just leading them. You were orchestrating this. God, as you were at work then, I believe you to be at work now. Would you tune our hearts to obey your will? Help us to be people that would listen for your commands in life and quickly obey, I pray. Help us, God, to transport the gospel where you say to go. I think the song by Miss Regina is so appropriate about wherever you would lead, that's where we would follow. God, help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.